You know it's time to do it major. Here's to the hustlers, the movers and shakers. Get up on your grind. Don't let the haters get ya. I know that you got a vision. Now it's time to deliver. Yeah, yeah. Giving you the tools, helping you to grow. Level up, time to shine like you never did before. Let them know. More than a podcast, it's a mindset. You can do anything, you just gotta keep grinding. Let's go. The Entrepreneur Adventure. Hey, the Entrepreneur Adventure. You ready? Welcome back to the Entrepreneur Adventure Podcast, where we give you the tools to climb higher and faster than ever before. Please welcome our very special guest for today, the serial CFO himself, Mr. Chad Brown, as he discusses the essentials of investing in real estate. Hello, entrepreneurs. Welcome back to the Serial CFO Show. This is your special edition of the Entrepreneur Adventure. I'm coming to you as a solo host. We're going to talk about things that are related from the investment side, from the tax side. We're going to talk about how you work really hard to grow your business or to make more money, but at the end of the day, it's not what you make, it's what you keep. And that's what we're focusing on on the Serial CFO Show. Today is no different. We're going to talk about real estate investing today and how you can leverage that into huge financial wins on the tax side and the investment side. Real estate, rental real estate, the market is on fire It is such a sexy topic right now. Everybody wants to do it. Everybody wants duplexes, multifamily, but you got to be careful. There's some things you should know. It can be a huge win, but let's talk about the dynamic behind it. Let's say you want to go out and you want to buy a piece of real estate. It's going to be rental, residential, commercial. Most everybody gets their feet wet doing residential rental. And by the way, this episode is going to be beneficial If you're thinking about getting into real estate investing, if you're already into investing, no matter whether you're doing residential, commercial, you have one rental house or you have 25, you're going to find some value here. I'm going to share some things with you that is going to be a huge benefit on the tax side and on the financial side. So the first thing, you're thinking about buying uh, a rental property or you already have rental property. You hear a lot about LLCs. You hear a lot about structure how should I structure these things? Should it be an LLC? What should I do for taxes? Uh, Everything on that side. So here's what you need to know. It doesn't matter for tax purposes. The awesome thing about rental real estate, if it's any type of rental, short-term Airbnb, long-term, multifamily, whatever it may be, you get built-in tax benefit on the real estate investment and rental real estate side. You don't have to do anything. You just buy a property and you start renting it, you're getting immediate built-in tax benefit. The tax code is built to encourage investing on this side of the real estate game, and you're going to win. So you buy it in your name, you buy it in an LLC name, you buy it with a friend or a partner, doesn't matter, built-in tax benefit, it's not like the business side where you got to take some proactive steps. Now, all that being said, Why you don't need a specific structure for the tax benefit or to help you on the tax side, you do probably want it from a liability standpoint. So somebody lives in a rental house you own, you own it personally, you own it through your name and your social, something happens, they fall down the stairs and break their neck, they can sue you personally. They can go after your personal assets. 
go after your retirement accounts, your personal house. Uh, you don't want that to happen. So I highly encourage rental real estate be owned through just a simple LLC. You don't have to do any sort of specific partnership or S Corp or any of those things. You just simply do an LLC. It can be in your state or in the state where the property's at. They all work across multiple state lines. And that gives you a whole nother level of liability protection. Now somebody falls down those stairs, they break their neck. At that point, they are suing the LLC, which doesn't own much. It owns the property or the house it's in. So from a structure standpoint, on the tax side, it's not needed. But on the liability side, I highly recommend it. Now, how far do you go? All right, I have multiple rental properties or I have multiple things going on. Do I put them all under one LLC? Do I have them all in different LLCs? That's going to be up to you. How much effort do you want to put into protection? It's kind of like insurance. Do you, do you want to be overinsured? Do you, do you want to fall somewhere in the middle based on what you're paying versus what you're getting? Um, if you wanted to really go overboard from a protection standpoint, you would put every single rental property or class of rental in a separate LLC. Um, Honestly, for me, I don't do that. I house most of my rentals all under one umbrella LLC. Um, it does allow for some cross liability, but at the end of the day, having multiple LLCs, paying every year for multiple renewals, having multiple bank accounts, it's just more headache than I want to deal with. So I'm willing to have a little more liability risk of crossing over uh, into the different properties inside the LLC than having all separate. But hey, that's up to you. There is no right or wrong answer here. Just depends on what level of protection you want. The second cool thing about being a real estate investor or having rental real estate is if you can get classified as a tax professional. Not only do you get built-in tax benefit and awesome tax treatment by owning rental real estate, if you're classified as a quote-unquote tax professional, which is a really wide net from the IRS, you get even more benefit. It allows us to take more deductions. It allows us to not have limitations on losses. It allows high-income earners to be able to write off more depreciation, more expenses, offset their W-2 income, offset other investment income. It is an awesome way to just take even more advantage of that. Now, I said the IRS has a wide net for what's considered that. It is anybody that does any type of work in the real estate field. Obviously, real estate agents and brokers, but it counts mortgage brokers. It counts anybody in the contracting business, uh, anybody in construction, uh, anybody that's a closing attorney. Engagement in the real estate or property field qualifies home inspectors, home appraisals, even for me. I do enough tax returns that are real estate based. I am classified as a real estate professional. So it's a pretty wide net. It says, hey, doing anything in the real estate field, but there is a couple things to know. You have to spend at least 750 hours a year in the real estate field. Now, this can be actual work in the field, it can be work on your rental property, it can be researching and due diligence, looking to get into it. It could be listening to podcasts, just like we're doing right now. It could be reading books. Just 750 hours wrapped around the real estate 
field or process of what you're doing. That classifies you as a real estate professional. So a lot of times that's really important for high-income taxpayers. Uh, We can use the spouse or we can use one of them to qualify as a real estate professional, pick up a tremendous amount more benefit on the tax return, start offsetting W-2 income or business income, and just continue to make that a win. Now, I know what you're thinking right now. Talk about offsetting. Don't you have to show a loss to offset other income or a loss for it to be beneficial? Here's the awesome thing about real estate and rental real estate in particular. We get to use what's called ghost expenses. Ghost expenses mean we get tax benefit, but they don't really exist. You're not spending money for these things. The biggest ghost expense out there is depreciation. You can depreciate houses. You can depreciate commercial buildings. You can depreciate appliances in the house, improvements, furniture, on and on and on and on. And it's crazy because houses appreciate, property appreciates, especially right now in our market. My God, over the last three years, appreciation has been wild. I mean, in some parts of Athens, we've seen over 30% appreciation in the last two years. Um, That is insane. So properties are appreciating and getting more valuable. We're able to write off the property and take depreciation on the tax return. And what that means is we get to take property on the residential side, spread it out over a little more than 27 years for the purchase price of the property and on commercial property around 39 years. So on a residential rental, if you paid $270,000 to buy it, we get to write off $10,000 a year for the next 27 years. That's going to offset income there, offset other things going on. And then you got all your normal stuff. You got property taxes, mortgage interest we get to write off, uh, utilities, pest control, improvements, supplies, mileage driving around and going back and forth. If you're going to Lowe's and buying lawnmowers or shovels, um, if you own more than one property, it starts opening up cell phones and home internet and uniforms and all these different aspects, tax prep fees, um, consulting, going to classes, traveling, looking at real estate, all these things that you're spending money on, plus depreciation, plus some other ghost expenses. So at the end of the day, you buy a property for two seventy, you may be bringing in $20,000 a year of rental income. You're offsetting it with some mortgage interest and some expenses. Uh, you're using depreciation. You're bringing in $20,000 a year. You're not paying any taxes on that twenty, And you're also showing a $5,000 loss on this property after the ghost expenses, this offsetting your W-2 or your other business income, saving you another two or $3,000 a year in taxes. So you're getting 20 grand tax-free and you're saving another two or 3,000 on top of it. So it's crazy beneficial what you can do with rental real estate on the commercial side, the multifamily, Airbnb, all those things. And Airbnb is a big one right now. My wife and I bought an Airbnb in earlier this year, uh, in early spring. Uh, we bought it in Charleston, and it has been phenomenal. It's a 1890s house. It sleeps 16. We can divide it up into two units. It has absolutely crushed it. The Airbnb market is so awesome right now. We have loved it. 
but it opened up a whole new level of deductions for us. We can now write off more trips to Charleston. We're now writing off furniture we buy for it. We're writing off artwork. We're taking trips, staying in Superhost, Airbnbs, and writing that all for research. Uh, so the Airbnb market not only is an awesome cash flow model and a way to really get more revenue out of your rental, it opens up a whole nother level of deduction and tax return options. So something to keep in mind there. Um, experiences that are tacked on to that Airbnb, all sorts of different things. You can get really, really creative there. So I, I highly recommend you look at this from an investment standpoint and from a tax return standpoint of ways to win on your taxes and really keep more money for yourself. Now, a couple of things I'll touch on before we wrap this episode up. I also hear a lot right now, another hot, sexy topic is self-directed IRAs and buying real estate through your IRAs. Um, for most people, that just doesn't work. People are jumping through these hoops or setting up these IRAs, and it just doesn't make sense. Here's the deal. IRAs are retirement accounts. You can buy real estate through certain self-directed accounts, traditional or Roths, but you can't freaking touch any of the money until you're at least 59 and a half. You can't touch the rental income. If you sell it, you can't take out the profits. That money is stuck until you are 59 and a half. So I got people that I'm meeting in their 30s that are thinking about quitting their job, rolling their 401k into a self-directed IRA and using that to buy investments and rental properties. And I'm like, how are you going to pay for your cost of living? Where's the money going to come from? You can't take any money out. So don't fall into that trap or going down that road of these self-directed real estate-based IRAs because it's just crazy. It doesn't make sense for 99% of the people out there, but it's a really hot topic right now. So I'd recommend being careful, probably staying away from that. Here's what I've learned through rentals and real estate. And this is what I'll leave you with more on the investment side. I've owned, at one point I had over 11 rentals. Um, I've probably owned 20, maybe even 30 rentals over the course of the last 20 years. Right now I own six or seven. I own a duplex, I own Airbnb, a couple of traditional rentals, a couple of commercials. I absolutely love rental real estate. It is a minimum seven year play. You cannot lose. There is zero risk if you go into it and it, you commit to seven years. You can't get into year one or year two and bail, or this isn't making money, or the market's going down, or I'm scared, or I need the money to do something else. If you have to sell in the first four years, you're probably going to lose money. If you bail in the first four years, it's probably going to be a bad investment for you. It needs to be a seven-year play. You're guaranteed to make money. It removes all risk, and this is the long game. You will not regret anything you do in the real estate field over a seven- to ten-year period. You'll have a lot of regrets in the one- to four-year period. So just be careful there. Make sure going into it. You're playing the long game. You're doing your due diligence. I spent a tremendous amount of time doing due diligence on properties, going to neighborhoods, talking to people, jogging around them, learning other houses, looking at comps. And for me, I run three scenarios. I run financials. I run monthly financials over a three-year period. And I go over what I think is going to happen, 
what the best case could be and what the worst case is going to be. If I like all three of those, I buy it. It's all a numbers game for me. And I have learned I have to be excited about the property. Even if it makes a ton of money, if it's ugly or I don't like it or it's a crap property, I'm just not excited about it. I don't want to deal with it. But if it's an awesome property, if it's something I love, if it's something that really resonates with what I enjoy from an architecture standpoint, then it's not like work anymore. There's problems or issues. I enjoy dealing with it because I like the property and it's making money and it's saving me on taxes. So that's the ultimate win. I hope you found a tremendous amount of value in this. If you're even thinking about or you want to learn more of the rental real estate side, or if you own property, maybe it's one, maybe it's two, maybe it's 10, maybe you're thinking about buying more. This episode has been for you. I've enjoyed this. Look forward to talking to you again next week on the Entrepreneur Adventure. Have an awesome rest of the week. Talk to you soon. If you're a fan of the Entrepreneur Adventure podcast, we would love to hear about it. You can leave us a review right here on your favorite podcast app. You can subscribe to the podcast or you can find us on Instagram at The Entrepreneur Adventure. Until next time, thank you for joining us.